Well, here we go. Week number one of a brand new series. I'm glad that you're here to be a part of this this morning. This has the potential to be a great series. I, I want to be honest with you. As I was growing up, teenagers, you might want to put on your earmuffs. Um, as I was growing up, not for the whole experience, just for right now. As I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I had a big question in my life. And this was kind of uh, the question that guided my life. And here, here it is. I'm going to admit it to you. The question was this. How far is too far to go on a date physically? Now, I'm not talking about, like, can we go from Stuttgart to DeWitt? Is that too far? No, 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 no. I'm talking about something else. How far is too far to go on a date? Now, I don't want you to raise your hands because I don't want to incriminate you possibly in front of your friends or your mother, <laughs> if your mom's here. I don't want to incriminate you, but how many of you had the very same question when you were growing up as a teenager? How far is too far to go on a date? Because you know, I want to know. I need to know these things. Most of you, many of you maybe, some of you possibly, I hope, were asking that. Well, I don't know if I hope that, but you were probably asking that very same question. And here's the reality of that. I was looking for a line, a line. I was looking for the sin line. I wanted to know where the sin line was because I didn't want to cross it. Well, maybe I did want to cross it, but I knew I shouldn't, so I needed to know where is the sin line? Where is that line of sin? Because I want to get as close as possible to that line. I wanted to get as close as I could. Where's the line? Where's the line? Because here's the reality. I didn't want to miss out on any legal Christian action. <laughs> so where's the line? I won't get right up on it. We all have a tendency to live that way. It's not just teenagers. It's not just students. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? When we're faced with an opportunity, someone brings us an opportunity, we have a tendency to ask this question. Hmm, is there anything wrong with this? That's a question we ask. When we're faced with an invitation, someone invites us to do something with them, we, or, or maybe we just have a desire that kind of wells up inside. Here's a question we ask. Is there anything wrong with this? Now, that's an important question that we need to look at. And here's why. Because it reveals a critical assumption that we make. And here's the assumption. If it is not wrong for me, then it must be right I know that doesn't sound real deep, but it, but it is. We're going to carry this out. If it's not wrong for me, then it must be right for me to do that. So we begin to analyze it. Well, let's see. If I've never heard Harley teach on that on a Sunday morning, if he hasn't teached against it, then we can be for it, right? And so then we begin looking to the Bible and say, okay, let's see. If I can't find a verse in the Bible that says, no, don't do this, then it must be okay for me to do this. And then we look out around us and we say, okay, I see if, if, if that person's a Christ follower and they're doing it, so it must be all right for me to do it. Now, as that line of thinking goes... Before we know it, we begin to ask the very same question I was asking, and here basically was that question, how close to sin can I get without sinning? 
How close to sin can I get without going over the line and sinning? You see, we want to avoid sin, but we don't want to miss any legitimate fun, right? Most of us have the habit of living our lives on the line, getting as close to the sin as we can, but trying not to sin. So, if that is a reality for many of us at many stages of our lives, and, and it is, I think if we're honest, then, okay, fair question. How close can we get? <laughs> and I think if we're going to try to answer that, I, I think we just have to be honest and say, the Bible doesn't really answer a lot of that directly. Now, it does give us some direction on some very clear things. It does say, don't do this and don't do that. But it doesn't give us direction on everything. Not everything we face do we find in the Bible. And as we participate in in church, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, we begin to realize that we don't have all the specific answers that we want in life. Answers like this, we, we don't have an answer for. Can I go to that bonfire? Well, you're going to have a hard time finding the answer. Um, can I date a non-Christian? That's going to be difficult. Is it all right for me to have that beer? Can I go over there? Can I watch that? Can I, can, I, can I do this? Many of our specific questions don't have clear answers because the Bible does not address our weekend invitation to go to the sandbar. It doesn't talk about that. It doesn't give us a clear definition of how far is too far. In many cases, the Bible just doesn't tell me, can I watch this, can I do that, can I go there? And because we can't always answer these questions clearly, then that leads me and most of my friends to slowly step closer and closer and closer to that line and before we know it, we're living life on the line. And we end up with a life on the line. And from there, we keep falling over. We keep failing over that line to the same temptations over and over and over again. We keep failing. And then we realize, though, we know... We know that we shouldn't give in. We know that, but we keep giving in. And so if you're anything like me, we have a similar response to that. Our response is, okay, okay, I, I know this. First of all, I need to ask forgiveness. And so we ask forgiveness, and then we promise God. And we say, I, I'm not going to do that again. And we sincerely mean that. We promise I'm not going to do that again. And maybe we make a recommitment of our lives to Jesus. I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. And then before we know it, maybe we hold out for a little while. We resist the temptation. We resist the temptation. But before we know it, we're falling again to that same thing. 
And then we have this cycle we repeat. Say, okay, this time I'm not going to recommit my life. This time I need to rededicate my life. So I, I dedicate my life to Jesus. And this time, though, I say, this time, Jesus, I really, really, really am committing. And we mean that. I'm not making fun of myself here. I, I mean that. You mean that when we say it right. I'm really committing. But, and so we repeat these steps over and over and over again because we keep falling into the same temptations over and over again, the same traps over and over and over again. And eventually, many people, maybe not you, but many people, eventually begin to think, well, this whole, this whole Christian thing, this whole Christian life, it just doesn't really work. Or at least it, it doesn't work for me. But the problem is not us making a deeper and deeper commitment because that's not making enough difference, right? We've seen that cycle. It's not making enough of a difference. You see, recommitting our lives while living on the edge, on the line of too far, it's like me, take me for example, it's like me, a fat man. Okay, taking me a fat man, and I finally say I'm so tired. I'm so tired of overeating. And I think if I were to be honest, it's not really even overeating that's my problem. I'm overstuffing. <laughs> that's the problem for me. It's like me saying I'm so sick of that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of overeating. I'm tired of overstuffing. I'm tired of what it's doing to me. And so I'm really I'm going to make a commitment now. And I really mean it. And listen, when I do, I do. I really mean that when I say it, I do. I'm making a commitment. I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to overstuff anymore. And to, to get me started, so let's say I say this. To get me started, I'm going to have a fast where I don't eat. Now listen, don't get crazy. It's not like a, for a week or anything. No. It's like, I'm going to fast today. <laughs> and I'm going to end it, though, with eating supper, that's appropriate. So I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to drink a lot of water. And then I'll just eat supper tonight with the family. I'll do that. That's what I'm going to do. And I really mean it. I'm committed. I'm going to do this. So I fast all day long. Let's say I do that. I fast all day, drink a lot of water. And I'm getting hungry. I mean, it was easy at 8 o'clock. But, you know, by 8.30, I am like, woo! But I mean it. I mean it. And so by the end of the day, when it's time for supper, you invite me to go eat. I'm like, okay, I can do this because I did say I was going to eat supper. So, but I'm really hungry. I know this. But you invite me to go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. I'm like, okay, I'll just not overeat. But the problem is I am famished. I am so hungry. How is this going to turn out? You know, I'm going to get up there with my commitment and I'm going to get me some food down here on this first layer on my plate. Let me tell you how it works. I create my first story. And then you've got to have a good foundation. Hey, I am a good fat man. I understand this concept. You skinny people do not understand how to eat at the all-you-can-eat buffet. I get that first layer down. Uh-huh. Good foundation. Good. Some good meats. 
mashed potatoes, they hold a lot. They are, they have good foundation. Then I get that second layer. The second story, I go up. Because who wants to go back up there? <laughs> I bring my second trip with me. Second story. And then I put a little third story around the edge, just of those little extras. And then I just eat one story at a time all the way down. That's how it's going to turn out. That's what's going to happen. Deeper commitments to do better, but continuing to live on the line of too far doesn't work. Me making a commitment to do better, but living at the buffet, it just doesn't work. Now, the person who wrote most of the New Testament he gives us some direction about all of this, and I'm so grateful. So let me kind of summarize what he says, and then I'm going to bring out the, the verse. So let me give you the context. He gives us this list of things that are like, like way off into the dark side. It's some of the things that we know. This is definitely wrong. Don't do that. So it's not those things that aren't clear. He gives us this list as some examples of some dark living, okay? And then he says, people who say that they're following Jesus, but they're really chasing after these things, well, they're not really following Jesus. I mean, they can say they are all they want, but here's, they're really chasing after this. So Paul says, watch out, watch out for those traps. Watch out for those dark things. He's saying like, be careful, pay attention, don't take following Jesus lightly. In fact, he's kind of describing it as being a Christian is not a label you put on like this shirt and where you can look like a Christian here, but on the inside is the real you, nothing like a Christian. He said it's not a label we put on with a name tag that says, hey, I'm now a Christian, I have the label. He said, no, 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 it's not like that. Being a Christian was never meant to be a label. It's meant to describe you, how you're living. And, and it's meant to describe that you were chasing after the dark side, but you made a decision to stop, turn around, and chase after Jesus. He said that's kind of what it's like. So he gives us this warning of all those things that can trap us. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. He says, don't just go with the flow. Don't just, just follow your heart. Don't just follow your heart. Don't just follow your feelings. So I feel this is the right thing to do. I got to go with my feelings. He said, don't just fall. Don't just shoot from the hip. No, 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 no. Don't just shoot from the hip. You, you, you can't just ask, is there a Bible verse that tells me no? And if there's not, then say, oh, it must be okay. He said, we can't just, just ask, is there anything wrong with this? And we can't point out to other people and say, well, well, hey, look, 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 look. They're a Christ follower, and they're doing that, so it must be okay for me too. Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't, 
don't do that. You must be careful how you live. And then he goes on with that verse. So he says, so be careful how you live. And then he says, don't live like fools, but he said, instead, live like those who are wise. Live like those who are wise. So here's where this leads us. If we should not be asking the questions that we have been asking, those questions that say, so how far is too far for me to go? Um, we sh- if we should not be asking the question that says, um, is there anything wrong with this? Or if we should not be asking the question, well, is there a verse in the Bible that tells me no? If those are the questions we should not be asking, if we're going to live like those who are wise, we have to ask a new question. So when we are faced with an opportunity, when we're faced with an opportunity, or someone brings us an invitation, or we have a desire welling up inside of us, we must take Paul's advice. And we need a new question. We need to ask, what is the wise thing to do? New question. What is the wise thing to do? So, here's something to help you maybe remember that. Here's how it goes. Asking if it's okay means we're about through. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? All right? So, here's how that goes. Asking if it's okay means we're about through. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? Now, would you just humor me for just a moment? Those of you who are willing, I'm just asking, would you repeat that after me? Not everybody has to, but just those who are willing, would you do that? I'm going to do it phrase by phrase. Would you just repeat it after me? Asking if it's okay. Excellent. Thank you. I'm going to do that one more time. Here we go. Asking if it's okay means we're about through. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? Very good. Thank you. Asking if it's okay means we're about through. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? And Paul says we need to live like those who are wise. Now notice that he doesn't say that we are wise or that we are super wise. No, 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 no. He doesn't say that. He says look at them. Look at that wise person and do what they do. Live like them, the wise person. And guess what? If you do that, you will become wise. We just talked about that for four weeks. And then Paul goes on. He goes on with this verse. So he says, don't live like the fools, but like those who are wise. Live like those who are wise. So Paul is saying we need a new lens to look at our life. A new lens to look at all of our life. Not a new lens for me to look at you. 
not a new lens for me to say, well, let's see, if it's okay for them, it must be okay for me. No, 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 no. Not a new lens to look at you. Not a new, we need a new lens to look at our life, all of our life. A, a, a new lens that says this, when, when uh, an opportunity or an invitation comes our way, we don't need to, to say, uh, if someone says, hey, 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 Harley, come, come and do this with me. Or if they say, come on, come on, come, come with me, jump in, let's try it, come, come this way. I, I need a new lens to evaluate that. A new lens to look at every desire that wells up inside of me. I need a new lens. Before I act on that desire, I need a new lens. Do you know why? Because when I am feeling lonely or rejected by people, I don't have a tendency to do the wise thing. So I need a new lens. When I have a desire that wells up inside of me, do you know what? If I am tired, my defenses are down and I am unlikely to do something very unwise. So I need a new lens. I need to ask different questions than I have been asking. The question is not, is this okay? Because you know what? It may be okay to do. There may not be a verse about it. But is it okay for me? Is it wise for me to do that? You know what? When I have a desire that comes up, if I am feeling depressed or down, I have a tendency to do some really unwise things. So I need a new lens before I do something with that desire when I am depressed. I need a new lens. See, a new lens to look at my options. What to do when I'm angry. I need a new lens. What to do when I am feeling hurt. I need a new lens. What to do when I'm hungry? I mean, reality, I need a new lens. What to do when I'm feeling anxious? I need a new lens. And it's the lens of wisdom that I need. And the lens happens to be a question. What is the wise thing to do? So Paul started us off with this phrase in verse 15. So be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. There's the phrase. That's how he started us off. But I, 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 I want you to notice this word careful, that Greek word that is translated here as careful, it is so rich with meaning. So I want to help you understand this is bigger than just that word careful. It means pay attention. It, it means study your surroundings. It means to look very closely, to even compare things. It means to see everything around you. So be careful. Now get this. It says, be careful how you live. 
Because what might be okay, what might be, let's use a different word, what might be wise for you to do may not be wise for me. So be careful. Pay attention. Study your surroundings. How you live. See everything around you. Look very closely and then pull back and look at the big picture. You know what else this word careful means? It means to scope out the situation and prepare in advance. Now this is huge. This is a huge part of the meaning of this word. Scope out the situation and prepare in advance. Do you know what that tells me? That God is actually telling us to anticipate what could happen. So if I do this, this could happen. It may not happen, but it could happen. To anticipate what could happen, and then before it's too late, you can avoid it. So God is calling us to look ahead. What If I do this, what could happen? And since I know what could happen, I can react now and try to avoid it instead of just heading off that way and trying to veer out of the way of oncoming life crash when it's too late to avoid it. Does that make sense? Anticipate what could happen. And now... I can prepare in advance before it's too late. I can now prepare from here a safe distance to avoid that. You see, our God has designed the world around us. Do you know how He designed it? He designed it for our pleasure. He really did. This amazing creation. But at creation, soon after, creation broke. It was broken by sin. It happened all the way back with Adam and Eve. It was broken by sin. And the world we live in now has a new prince for a while, for a time. A new prince. The world we live in now is designed by the evil one. And he has designed that world to destroy us. It's true. To destroy our minds. To shatter our self-esteem. To kill our relationships. To devastate our bodies. It is a dangerous place we live. So Paul reminds us in the next verse, verse 16. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of it. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The days were evil then for Paul, and they are evil now for us. They're dangerous. And so because they're dangerous, we must relearn how to live. We must relearn how to thrive in a world that wants to destroy us. You know what? Dangerous environments require 
extra precautions. That is so true. Dangerous environments require extra precautions. So here we have our power lines. Have you ever seen, if, if you're anywhere near my age, they didn't used to use those bucket trucks to get up there. Do you remember how they got up there? Have you seen them? They have these spikes that are attached to their legs and to their feet, and they literally spike and climb their way up the, two, the top of the power lines. And they just, and they're so amazing. They're so good at it. They make it look so easy. They just climb, shimmy right up there. But you know what? They are also attached with harnesses and some safety mechanisms because that is dangerous. And they require, they require some very special precautions. Um, think about our firemen in Stuttgart. Our firemen, they are amazing. In fact, I think these are some of the new uniforms that the residents and businesses of Stuttgart have helped provide. These amazing men and, and, and fire ladies too. There can be fire women. And so you've got this, all of this gear, the safety gear. Because you know what? They're risking their lives, not just to save our lives, which that's amazing. They risk their lives to save our property, our things. That is unbelievable. That is dangerous. And so before they enter into that dangerous environment... They take very special precautions. This is just a sampling of it. Very special precautions because they recognize it is a very dangerous environment. And if that's true for them, if that's true for the guys who climb the power poles, listen, it's got to be true for our lives as well. It's a dangerous place we live. It requires some special precautions. And that's why Paul says what he says next in verse 17. This is what he says. He says, listen, because of all of that, don't act thoughtlessly. Paul is saying, don't lose sight of the danger of this environment that we're in. Don't just jump into something. Don't lose sight of what's going on around you. And most of us know from experience that we are just one decision away in life from irreversible damage in a relationship. We are just one decision away from losing our job. One decision away from doing great damage to our lives or to the lives of the people we love around us. And listen, we have the scars to prove it, don't we? And sometimes we just keep adding more scars and more scars and more scars. We keep falling and we keep failing. 
in life-destroying and relationship-destroying ways. Because we keep finding ourselves on the line with nothing to keep us from falling to the other side and failing dramatically and drastically and devastatingly to the other side. But listen, God has given us a safety harness. He's given us a safety harness for life, a way to protect ourselves from falling and destroying our lives and falling and destroying the people we love around us. He's given us a way to keep from destroying relationships when we fall. And listen, we are going to fall and we are going to fail. But we don't have to destroy ourselves or destroy the people we love when we do. He's given us a way to keep from destroying ourselves and them. He's given us a safety harness. Wisdom, wisdom is God's primary safety device. Wisdom comes from God. And Paul says, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, don't act thoughtlessly understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul is saying, listen, face up to the truth. He says, take the time that you need to understand the truth. And I think we know, we know that God wants us to live wise lives. He doesn't want us to just look at something and say, hey, is this allowed? Is this okay? He doesn't want us just to ask, hey, but, but I, I'm looking. Is there, is there a verse in the Bible that tells me no? That's not wise living. That type of decision making moves us slowly closer and closer and closer to the line of disaster. It does not protect us from disaster. It walks us right up to the line. It is not wise living. You see, if we keep falling in the same ways over and over and over again, we're asking the wrong questions. If we keep falling over and over to the same things, we're, we're, we're asking the kind of thoughtless questions. We're asking, is this allowed? Is this okay? Is there a verse in the Bible that says no? You know, we may not find a verse that says no. And it may be something that's allowed, and it may be something okay, but listen, it may not be the wise thing for you to do. Paul said, don't live like that. Inching closer and closer to the line where we will eventually fall and fail in devastating ways. He said instead, step back. Put on that safety harness. The safety harness of wisdom, where you look closely at, at everything, where you look all around you for every opportunity, for every invitation that someone says, hey, come and do this, or why don't you? For every desire that you have welling up inside of you, we ask a new question. Is this the wise thing to do. 
Asking if it's okay, it means we're about through. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? So this week, here's what I'm asking you. Will you pause at every invitation, at every opportunity, at every desire that wells up inside of you? Pause and ask. Not, is this okay for me to do? Not, is there a verse that says no? No, 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 no. Will you pause and will you say, is this wise for me to do? And then as you leave today, walking down this long hallway, if you'll look on your left, hanging on the line, I've got some suggestions for some next steps during the week. Will you take one of those? Take one with you. Please take one down off the line. I would love to see most of those gone. Would you take one off the line this week? Take it with you. Let's not live our life on the line where our life is on the line. Let's step back. Let's pause and ask, is this the wise thing to do? Let's pray. Jesus, you're calling us to live carefully. You're calling us to live wisely. For much of our lives, we've been asking the wrong questions, questions that have led us closer and closer and closer to the line. And God, there, when we have fallen, we have hurt ourselves and we've hurt others. Help us to begin a new journey. Will you help us to begin a new journey with a new question? Help us to ask, not, is this okay to do? Rather, is this wise for me to do? Jesus, Help us understand what you want us to. Give us the courage to do it. Amen.
tell you one thing. Um, this water knows something that, uh, that our air doesn't know outside, that it's September and moving towards fall. It's a little chilly, isn't it? <laughs> Get a little colder every week. But you know what? I love this. This is one of my favorite things in all of life is to get to baptize my friends. And I have gotten to see and be looking in on Maggie's journey, and which has led us, led her to joy, and it has led us to this moment right here. Your life has been building up to this point where, um, you know what, when we choose to follow Jesus, um, I talked to Maggie earlier, it doesn't mean that we are now going to do everything right, does it? But it means we're following someone different than we before we've been following ourselves and what we wanted. And you know what, Maggie, honestly, those moments in my life where I have fallen, it's been because I decided to follow myself for a weekend or for a year, <laughs> you know. But here's the thing. When we come out and say, you know what, I'm following Jesus, he holds on to us. And he never lets go. Even when I fall. Even when you fall. He's not going to let go. And um, Maggie's story is a story of grace and mercy and love. So is mine. No different than my story. And I'm excited. Maggie, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. And three days later he rose again. He paid for all of the junk of our lives on the cross and even some of the junk that may be coming it's done and he's never going to let go of you he's never going to let go of me and so we get to celebrate that with baptism we don't understand everything that baptism means but we do know this jesus asked us to do it when he said that we need to believe and be baptized when when we need to go out and make disciples and baptize them, this is all part of that. This is your celebration. And you know what? The Bible tells us that when one person is saved, that the angels in heaven throw a party. And that moment you decided to follow Jesus, there was a party in heaven. And you, it was in your honor. But that party all pointed to Jesus and his glory and what he did for us. And now we get to celebrate that together with you here through baptism. It's what we're going to do. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to baptize you, my friend, in the name of Jesus. It's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You ready? Here we go. All right. Let me hug your neck. I love you. I love you. All right, here we go. I don't need a whole lot of money. 
about my Jesus. That's what it's all about. Everything that happens in our lives, in this church, it's not about us. It's about His glory. He, he died on the cross to save us, but he, it's beyond that. It was to bring Him glory. <laughs> Cole's making fun of me. I'm out of breath. Okay, it's hard to get a fat boy dressed. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you've been here with us as we've begun this series. Next week we keep on going. Now listen, it's not, uh, it's not too late 
to have that person you love sitting beside you, that person you're concerned about, the person that that um, needs to hear this too. We're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. Each week it's going to build, okay? So bring that person next week. It's not too late. It's not too late. On the end of your rows, those buckets, if you'll send them down your row, that's where you can put those connection cards. We really, really want those. That's where you can also put the giving envelopes and the pens. They can all go in that same bucket. Someone will be coming by to pick those up. Uh, Mr. Jimmy is, and uh, Miss Gail is over here too. So uh, go ahead and keep those passing. I'm going to pray and would love to uh, meet you, uh, say hi to you in the lobby before you leave. Don't forget as you leave, pick up one of those next steps off the line. I hope you'll be stepping with us this week. I hope you will. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that those days that I lived my life on the line, Thank you. You didn't give up on me. You didn't walk away from me. You didn't throw me away. I should have been. Thank you. Thank you for second chances. And that second chance today is called wisdom. And may we ask a new question. Not is it okay. Not is there a verse that tells me no. May we ask. Is this the wise thing for me to do? In the name of Jesus, we need your help. Amen.